Now, some of you may not have much information. I want to, we bless our children, teachers today. I want to talk a little bit about blessing, the power of blessing. In the book of Genesis, chapter 25 through chapter 27, I'm going to alliterate different times during this message some actions that happen to a family about blessing. Have you ever been to a store that sells damaged goods at a bargain price? Maybe a garment is slightly flawed or a major appliance has been scratched or dented and it's marked down significant enough to make it an attractive buy. Now, when it comes to the human race, you have reached the damaged goods department. There's a mind that will not open. There's a mouth that will not shut. There's a backbone that won't hold firm. There's a stiff neck that won't yield. And that's everybody here. If you're visiting this weekend, you have arrived at the Damaged Goods Christian Center. Woo! And we're looking today at how God changes people. Dr. Henry Cloud says, transformation requires grace plus truth plus time. So I want to look at the way grace is expressed from the first chapter in the Bible. And there is a word we'll track all the way through the first book in the Bible. And it's the word bless. Genesis 1, verse 21, then 22. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing which water, which in the water teems, and then all of it that moves about in it. I saw blue whales this week. According to their kind, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw it was good, and God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. That's God's word for some of you, is increase. Not shortage, not diminish. God wants increase, always. Every time God blesses, it's a gift of grace. The word bless is used over 400 times in the Old Testament. So this morning, I want to trace the notion of blessing through the book of Genesis, and I'll move forward with two closing takeaways for everybody here. God starts by creation, and then God blesses it. Then God creates human beings. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. Just two species there, male and female. And God blessed them. So God made creation because he wanted something to bless, and he created human beings because he wanted someone to bless, and that's you. On the seventh day, God rests. He loves the seventh day so much, he blesses the seventh day. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. And in blessing the seventh day, God's blessing to the human race is to be able to experience rest, like some of you moms will get now. A little bit. Then after the flood, God blessed Noah and his son saying, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth. Notice, keep on increasing, be fruitful, blessing. God's blessing will cause increase and fruitfulness to your life. Believe what he says, not what you read in the news. God loves to bless and he creates human beings in his image to be both blessed and catch this, to bless. God wants not just to give you blessing, he wants you to be a blessing giver as well. 
And that gets clear when God talks to Abraham. And God says, I'm going to make you a great nation. You're going to live in a gated community. I'll give you a high-end car. I'll give you a hot wife. I'll give you a great 401k, super income. I I will make your name great, give you great title and position. I'm ad-libbing a little bit. And you will be a blessing. And all people on the earth will be blessed through you. Whatever God does for you, educationally, financially, in a position, in a connection power, God does it for one sole reason, not just to bless you, but to bless other people through you. Power is not a bad thing. Power is a bad thing when you've got power and you refuse to use it to help people. So God wants to bless you to be a blessing. Would your kids call you a blessing? Would your wife or children call you a blessing? Would close friends say, man, this person has enriched my life, made it bigger and better. What a blessing they are to me. And there are people like that. So the idea is that blessing begins with God, then it's going to flow to Abraham and then to you and me. And then we're to pass it on and bless the whole earth. Unfortunately, human nature only wants to accumulate blessing. But God's plan is to give you a blessing so you can be a blessing. And the reason blessing is so central in the Bible, it is the answer to the ultimate human question. What's the good life? Who's got the good life? Is it people with money? People with buff looks and hots? uh, And people with good health? What our culture talks about is success or happiness or the American dream. The Bible calls blessing. Blessing is the Bible's answer to the question, Who's got the good life? Who has the good life? Now, blessing is different from success. Success starts with you, but blessing starts with God. It does not start with me. It's given to you, to me, by grace, unmerited, undeserved. And it's given so I can be a blessing in this dark world. It's not about showing how blessed I am. Mark Buchanan writes about a group of kids who were asked what love means. And love is very connected to blessing. Rebecca, age eight, says, when my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore, so my grandfather does it for all the time, even though he's got arthritis too. How sweet. Billy, age four, said, when someone loves you, the way they say your name is different. You just know your name is safe in their mouth. Wow. Okay, Summit. Whose toenails are you painting? Whose name is safe in your mouth? Who would say they find you a blessing in their life? That's the good life. That's the blessed life. So God's plan for human beings is to be conduits of blessing that has been majorly disrupted by sin. And the result is a blessing hungry, a blessing starved people who feel like they're damaged goods because they're living apart from the blessing. Well, a couple named Isaac and Rebekah in Genesis have twin boys. Esau is a hunter. He's a sportsman, outdoor guy. Jacob, he's quiet. He helps mom in the kitchen. He does some macrame. he's, He's more introverted. And then we read this about their parents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Now, there's a world of hurt in that one sentence because their lives are going to be a fight for the blessing they could never get because Isaac loved Esau and Rebekah loves Jacob. 
How do you think old Esau and Jacob got along together with each other? I'd say not so good. One day while Jacob's in the kitchen cooking up some stew, Esau comes in from hunting and he's really hungry. And he says to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that chili. I'm famished. And Jacob replied, first sell me your birthright. Oh, look, man, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is a birthright to me? So he sells his birthright to his brother. Now, we look at that story and wonder, why would he sell his birthright for a bowl of chili? Then what happens next? This becomes a desperate battle between two boys in the damaged goods department. Who's going to get the blessing? Jacob goes on to deceive his own father. Jacob receives the blessing intended for the firstborn, Esau. When Esau heard his father's words that the blessing went to Jacob, he burst out with loud and bitter crying, and he said to his father, Bless me, my father. Do you only have one blessing? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau, this tough, strong, macho guy, wept out loud. The devastation is catastrophic. And then he goes on to say this, Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, I will kill my brother Jacob. So Jacob runs away for years. Now this is a family devastated by the mishandling of the blessing. Now Jacob goes on, he gets wealth, he gets power, but he can't get what he really wants, which is the blessing of his father's love and approval and delight. And by the way, think about how many unfathered uh, no, no father in the home children we have in this country. Think about it. Maybe even in this, in this church. I have no idea. But God put them together for a reason. Mom contributes something, but every sociologist and psychologist I've read, secular or religious, says that the child gets primary identity from the father. And the father is important because the father is supposed to bless those children. And those are words of affirmation spoken over a child. I grew up in a military family, divorced five times. I can't remember my father ever saying to me, I love you, I'm proud of you, you can do this, go for it. I can't ever remember hearing that ever and being passed around to different relatives. So instead of going into a fetal position and going to a doctor, I just made up my mind, I'm not going to live that way. So I bless my children every day of their life. They're all grown, one married with children. I bless them every day of my life. I pray over them. You are the seed of the righteous. You shall inherit the earth. Wealth and riches shall be in your household. You shall possess the gate of your enemy. You, your favor of God is upon you. Promotion when you seem least likely to get it. I don't want what I deserve. I want favor. Favor, favor gives you blessing when you don't deserve it. How many of you like get you some of that? Yeah, well, that's, why, that's what grace is. We're not here to earn anything. So get your little clipboard and put it up. This is the grace of God. This is the good news. Anyway, I decided I'd bless them. I bless every time I'm with my little grandchildren. I put my hand on them or I declare over them a blessing or words of affirmation, no matter what they're involved in or doing. And I say to my children, from a, whether a prison or a palace, you can't make daddy not love you, so don't even try. It ain't going to happen. And, you know, one day the Lord said to me, you say that and you really mean it. That's how I feel about you. Wow. You mean I can't make you not love me? Nope. Might as well quit trying. <laughs> it won't work. Well, poor comparison probably, but it's very meaningful. And I'm thinking, 
I didn't have it, so I can just say, well, I won't give it. Or I can say, I'll start giving it so it gets passed on for generations to come, to be blessed, to, know, to have Father's approval. You can't imagine the devastation it does to human beings. Do you know that in major federal prisons, they give out Mother's Day cards and Father's Day cards. They can't give away a Father's Day card. Isn't that interesting? Mother's okay, but either daddy's absent, abusive, or not there, and they don't want to have anything to do with him. Now, that's not how God designed a family. Your fathers, you are more than a hood ornament. You are important in this family. And if you're divorced, for God's sake, do not use those children as some weapon against your wife. You bless those children. It is not their fault. You two suck. That's how I feel about it. You honor those children and love those children, uh, divorced or not divorced. And don't use them to take back nasty words to the spouse. Women can do it too. Don't do it. Those are precious children designed for a future by God. And the fact you guys have screwed up things does not have to affect them. You can both be sane and reasonable and bless and love those children and be respectful to each other. You can do it. Some people I know do it very well. So where can somebody who's in the damaged goods department get the blessing they want? Well, for Jacob, the real blessing comes when he least expects it. Years later... He's going to go home. And he hears Esau's coming to meet him with 400 men. How would you feel when the last words he said, I'm going to kill you? He's scared to death. So the night before, he sends his family on ahead of him. And Jacob ends up wrestling with this mysterious stranger, the angel of God. And the angel tells Jacob, let me go. And Jacob said, I will not let you go till you bless me. See, the angel gives him the blessing of God and gives him another strange gift. The angel touches the socket of his hip so it never goes back in. And we're told the next morning the sun rose above him as he passed Peniel and he was limping because of his hip. Well, he looks. Here comes Esau, his brother. And the text says, but Esau ran to meet Jacob. Jacob doesn't run to meet Esau. His running days are over. The rest of his life, he'll walk with a limp. And when tough, macho Esau sees this limping Jacob, his heart melts. Remember the last time he saw Jacob, he swore to kill him. But it says, but Esau ran to meet Jacob and embrace him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. Something about Jacob's brokenness touched old Esau's heart in a way Jacob's conniving cleverness and strength never could. Jacob is given a blessing. Jacob is given a wound. Or just maybe his wound is his blessing. Maybe you'll bless more people with your limp than with your strength. Oh yeah. Maybe blessed are those who limp for they walk with God. Well, Jacob gets a blessing from God and he becomes the greatest, humanly speaking, blesser in the Bible. The next to the last chapter, Genesis 49, it's devoted to laying out in detail the blessings Jacob gives his 12 sons. Now, Jacob's dad, remember Isaac? He wanted to bless just one of the kids. But Jacob gathers all 12 of them around. And these are going to be the 12 tribes of Israel. And we get the names of the 12 tribes of Israel from the 12 sons of Jacob. You can read what the father says over each of them when he blesses them, giving each a blessing appropriate to that kid. 
Jacob now becomes the blesser. Now we see another major theme here. God does not wait to give the blessing out until somebody deserves it. In the ancient world, inheritance and blessing would always go to the firstborn. Always. So there's this odd thing God's doing in Genesis about the blessing. God comes to Abraham and says, I will bless you and all the peoples of the earth through you. Then Abraham has a firstborn son, Ishmael. But the blessing doesn't go to Ishmael. It's firstborn. In law, it should. But it actually goes to Isaac. Well, Isaac has two sons, Esau and Jacob. Esau, he's firstborn. But instead of the blessing going to him, it goes to Jacob. There's something kind of squirrely going on here. Jacob's got 12 sons. They argue over who's going to be the favorite. The firstborn is Reuben. But the blessing doesn't go to Reuben. It doesn't even go to Joseph. Although he's the most famous, it actually flows through the son Judah. In Genesis 49, Jacob is giving these wonderful blessings to his sons. And he comes to Judah and he says, You are a lion's cub, Judah, the lion of Judah. You will hold a scepter. You're going to rule. You will tether your donkey to a vine. And those images would be used much later to describe the coming of Messiah by the prophets. And then they would be picked up later in the New Testament to describe Jesus. Blessing is coming through Jesus to people who are not firstborn, who have no status, who have done nothing to deserve it. Grace is coming to the damaged goods department. The kingdom of God is going to turn everything upside down. And religious people hate it because it's grace. Joseph brings his two sons to his father Jacob to bless them. And scripture says, then Israel, that's Jacob, said, bring those boys to me, son, so I may bless them. And now watch this odd twist again. Joseph, let's pretend I'm, I'm Jacob. I'm old, can't see real good, it says. His eyes were dim. And you, Joseph, bring your two boys for me to bless well, he puts Manasseh, the firstborn, on the right hand, appropriate. He puts Ephraim, the younger, on the left hand, appropriate. And then we're told that the daddy, Jacob, reaches out with his right hand, crosses over his left hand, and puts the right hand on the young kid, Ephraim, and puts his left hand on Manasseh. Even though Manasseh was the firstborn, He's not getting the blessing. Well, he's getting a blessing, but it's going primarily, first of all, to Ephraim. Now, Joseph doesn't like this at all. This is out of order. And he tries to switch his father's hands correctly. And Jacob says, hey, I may be blind, but I know what I'm doing, my son. And he crosses his hands again and blesses them. They both get a blessing, but blessings are coming not through human status, not because anybody deserves it. They're coming just by grace to the damaged goods department. He, God's screwing up the whole thing. He's just blessing people in ways we're not supposed to be blessing them. And that's, that's been from the day Jesus showed up. And if you go back in the Old Testament, God picked people nobody would pick. He picks prostitutes, hookers. He puts tax collectors. He puts Moabites. Scripture says no Moabite shall enter the congregation of the Lord. Oh, yeah? Well, Ruth comes in. She marries Boaz, her Hebrew kinsman redeemer. She she's becomes one of the great, great, great grandmothers of, of David, and she's in the seed line of Jesus Christ. I love grace. I, I love it. 
I mean, we're always looking at, well, can you believe what she does? Here's what she does over here. Can you believe that? I can't believe that. That We just get upset that God blesses people we don't like. I hope you have to live next door to somebody like that. I just hope you do. If you're one of those nasty, mean people, instead of saying, you know, I've heard people say, well, I hope I get a good crown. I hope I get a good, look, when I open my eyes and I see Jesus, I'll say, that's it. I'll go over in the corner. Thank you so much. They can all worry about the reward. I'm just so glad you let me in. I'll just stand right back here. If you want me, just call for me. I'm just grateful to be here. Grateful, grateful, grateful. So the 12 tribes are blessed because each tribe of Israel is named after one of Jacob's sons. But the only tribe not named for a son is Joseph. Joseph, who is so celebrated, who honestly deserves it the most, has two boys, Ephraim and Manasseh. Two half-tribes are named for them. Now, grace is flowing all over the place. Joseph marries an Egyptian. This is an interracial marriage. And he has two boys, Ephraim and Manasseh. They are half Israeli, half Egyptian. I mean, all through the Bible, there's interracial marriage. There's a, it's like you're messing this thing up. And yet churches are still many times defined by bigotry and racism white supremacists in the south in many areas and some places in the north. How can you read the Bible and not see Jesus' splashing grace all over everybody? Gentiles, Jew, people who are outcast, people who are far, far from God. And they're getting it not because they deserved it, not because they were first born or they merit something or they're born in the right family. By the way, it is a privilege in the flesh to be born in the right family. When you're born again, you're in the right family now. You are in the right family. You are blessed and highly favored. You are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. So two quick takeaways and we quit. Number one, joyfully, gratefully receive all the blessings God gives you. Spend your life looking for, acknowledging, embracing, and celebrating God's blessings in your life. Because you can't give to somebody else what you don't have. So I've got to come to see myself as somebody richly blessed by God. When the greatest teacher who ever lived preached the greatest sermon ever taught, it started with a single word, blessed, 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 eight or nine times in the Beatitudes. Then that blessing comes to all the people who don't think it's going to come to them. Blessed are those who mourn. Later, blessed are those who are poor. Not because it's good to mourn or to be poor, but because now life in the kingdom of God, God's love and favor and presence is available to everybody. Everywhere, in any circumstance, you are blessed. So how's your blessing detector working? Do you go through life aware of how blessed you are? You know, there's always somebody got it worse than you. There are people who would trade their money for your health. There are people who would trade uh, their, I don't know, they'd, they'd trade what they have for what you have that you're complaining about. They are. <laughs> This past week, I was on an airplane. It was overbooked. And because I fly a lot, I get points and free upgrades and stuff. Well, I didn't get squat. I was way too late. I was all the way back in the toilet, lavatory. Seat won't go back. I'm right behind the, the jet engine, noisy and loud. They've shrunk the seats. I've got two inch too much knee for too little seat. And there's three of us. 
And I'm thinking to myself, I deserve better than this. Well, I'm just being honest. Okay, don't be judgmental. You'd be the same way. I fly a lot, okay, and I'm tall and old, and it's easy to get cranky. And I'm thinking, well, this is a, I tried everything I could think of. Nothing worked. Nothing. I'm done. I'm toast. I'm all the way in the back. I got a picture of all the way in the back, the far as I can go. So far from God. I'm back way, <laughs> way away. And then I'm, I'm sitting next to a Puerto Rican woman who's never flown anywhere and her autistic child. Now, after the drama of being a little upset about it, I started thinking, you know, God may have boxed me in to be a blessing. I don't like the idea, but he, he well could have well had something a little more eternal in mind. And as I started thinking that way, I blessed that woman up and down with stuff, saved her 200 bucks. She knew nothing. I, I, I mean, it was an amazing plant by God. She, even her little autistic kid, that phone was running. She couldn't, the battery power was all gone. They've never done this before. I said, sweetheart, I got to charge it right here. I keep it loaded. I don't ever use it. You, God just solved your problem. Here, you charge up everything you got. Over. Oh, it worked nice. And I won't tell you everything that happened, but it was a divine appointment being there. And I really realized, although it was painful, i tell you what else it did. You get so accustomed to being uh, privileged because you fly so much and you have points. It's the reward of all that pain. It made me realize how blessed I was to be able to sit in a bigger seat where it wasn't so crowded and where people actually gave me some attention. Instead of being mean and cranky about it I said Lord thank you for it's just a reminder of what a blessing it is to be able not to have to sit here normally normally okay uh, anybody else do that or, or somebody gets on the plane and they're they're in terrible health and I I'm complaining about having to stand too long and I'm thinking my God I could be like him thank you Jesus thank you Jesus or you got a wife that loves you. And for some of you, that is a blessing you couldn't buy. You couldn't be loved by a dog, and she loves you. You ought to be thanking God for that. I do. I'm very grateful. Kids who love you, a home to come to, maybe a job, maybe you've got your mind, it's working well. You just, if you started counting your blessings, you'll get embarrassed about how little gratitude you have for how much God's actually given you. All of us, all of us. Well, in Jesus' day, every devout Jewish person would begin and end the day in prayer. And the main prayer they played, it's still true in Judaism, is called the Amidah. It's a Hebrew word that means standing because they would pray it while they're standing. And it's sometimes called the 18 for 18 benedictions or 18 blessings. And the idea of it was a chance to remember all the ways God's had blessed their lives and then to bless God in return. Do you ever do that? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. You just go on and on about it. He likes to get blessed back. That was so important, they wouldn't allow anything to stop it. Rabbis taught that even if a king were to give a greeting to you, you should not stop praying the Amidah to return the greeting. Even if a snake would curl around your ankle, you must not stop I'd have trouble with that one. I think I'd fail right there. I think I'd be, Lord, I'd be right back. 
right? That's pretty high priority praying. But they said, we have to learn to bless the God who blessed us so richly. There's an old song we used to sing in church when I was real young. You probably don't know it, but count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Count your blessings. Psalms 103, the first five verses. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And don't forget all of his benefits, Rick. You won't remember them all, but you could remember some who forgives all your sin. That's a good one. Who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit of hell and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies you with good things so your youth is renewed like the eagle. Woo! Yeah. That's a start. Sometimes just do it talking out loud, driving to work or coming home from work. I've been blessed because I have a God in heaven who loves me. That's a start. Because Jesus went to the cross for me. That's a big start. Because I have forgiveness of my sins, never judgment. Because I have the Holy Spirit to guide me, who will never leave me or forsake me. Because I have this church where I get to be part of a family. Because I have been given spiritual gifts so I can contribute something. Because when the end of my life comes, and it will for every one of us, I have the promise of hope that goes beyond the grave. Oh, yeah, I have been greatly blessed, and so have you. It, it's kind of a weird thing, but sometimes the more blessings we get materially, educationally, opportunities, instead of making us more grateful, we get more entitled. People get cranky, and attitudes kind of go south, and they become irritable people. And that happens in the church sometimes. And God is saying, would you just count your blessings? Would you become a champion at receiving blessings? And then would you bless God back? This, that's one quick takeaway. Live with the gratitude and embrace and celebrate all the different blessings God gives you every day. I think we had to repair something on a microwave that's 28 years old. Make a long story short, ended up getting it for free. They made a mistake. There was such a delay. They just said, what a nice business. They just said, with all the trouble you've been through, Miss Godwin, forget it. You know what we did? Praise the Lord. Amen. Bless you, Jesus. That doesn't happen a whole lot, getting, getting something free. But it was really nice. Just small things. Or somebody found a bolt in my tire, and I was saying, thank God it didn't go out when I had the family in the car at 100 degrees. That's just being grateful. You think the Lord, you know, we, what do we teach our little toddlers when you do something? What do you say, Billy? Thank you. Yeah. And it doesn't come from Adam. You got to get, you got to build that character in them. Thank you. Please, may I? I can remember my dad saying that. Of course, he didn't use my name. He called me boy. What'd you say, boy? Oh, yes, sir. That's what I thought you said. <laughs> I can still hear that. He's 98 years old. I can still hear that old wretched voice going into my head as he had put my sister and I. I mean, he had put my head through sheetrock if uh, I didn't say yes, ma'am, or no, ma'am. This guy's a pagan, but at least there was some character there about opening the door for your, for your wife or your daughter or for a lady or standing when a woman comes in a room. Uh, those were, were, were good things. You don't have to be taught. But that's a, come on, that's a good thing. Don't say, yeah, what, no, no what, no sir, no thank you. Yeah, that's right. Run that, build that culture, build that character. And then last, 
Joyfully give all the blessings you can give, any way you can, anyhow that you can. Jesus is the master blesser. People would bring children to Jesus. He'd pick them up in his arms, put his hand on them, and bless them. Wow. Every nursery worker, when you pick up a child, bless that child. You don't know what kind of a home it comes out of. You don't know what conditions are there. Bless that child. You can impart blessings of goodwill, of peace, of health, of healing, of, of, of uh, vision to that child. Bless that child. Don't just change the diaper, but bless that child. Physical touch is a big part of blessing, and we are required to have it to live. Are you, are you with me? A UCLA study found people who experience meaningful touch 10 times a day live longer than people who don't. Touch yourself 10 times. <laughs> touch is powerful. A hug, a touch. I mean, it, it's, it's powerful. A church family ought to be a place where that happens regularly. Would family, kids, friends, co-workers say you were a blessing? Or have you drifted into this condition of just being a cranky, irritable person? Decide to become a person through whom the blessings of God flow. And you can do this. The Bible blessing is intergenerational. Every generation craves the blessings from the one that went before it. And if you want a graduate level blessing challenge, move on to difficult people. Jesus said, bless even those who curse you. Ever tried that? Now, we can't do that in the flesh, but Jesus can do it through us. And God's dream is that we become a blessing factory, that Summit, the church of damaged goods, becomes the church of the blessing because a blessing will change a life. Close with this story. A writer named Mary Ann Bird writes, I grew up knowing I was different. I hated it. I was born with a cleft palate. When I started school, my classmates made it clear I looked different than others. Misshaped lip, crooked nose, lopsided teeth, garbled speech. When schoolmates asked what happened to your lip, I'd tell them I'd fallen and cut it on a piece of glass. Somehow it seemed more acceptable to have suffered an accident than to have been born different. I was convinced nobody outside my family could or would ever love me. Then there was a teacher in the second grade. And we all loved her. Her name was Mrs. Leonard. And every year we had a hearing test. Mrs. Leonard gave the test to everybody in the class. Finally, it was my turn. And I knew from the years that we had been there, she would make us stand against the door, cover one ear. She would sit at her desk and whisper something. We'd have to repeat it back. Something like, the sky is blue. Do you have new shoes? So I waited there for the words. And God must have put it in her mouth, seven words that changed my life. Mrs. Leonard said in a whisper, I wish you were my little girl. And folks, to people made ugly and twisted by sin, God whispers to every one of you through Jesus, I wish you were my little girl. I wish you were my little boy. And all those blessings flow from the cross. Blessed, blessed, blessed. And remember, A spiritual blessing is not something earned or deserved. It's something we receive by the grace of God. You can never earn it. We just humbly and gratefully receive it. Amen? Amen. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.